My name is Sahel Godal and I'm the founder of Ultimate Fan Live and you are listening to the App Guy podcast. The App Guy podcast, straight from your host, Paul, the App Guy, sharing his app entrepreneur journey with you for your enjoyment. And now, Paul, the App Guy. Welcome to another episode of the App Guy podcast. I'm your host, it's Paul Kemp. And uh, if you want to go back through my archives i do have a number of episodes where we talk about profit obviously profit is extremely important for if you're an app developer you're wanting to do this uh, entrepreneurial stuff on your own give up your job we have had people give up their work for as a result of listening to the guests but one of the most important things is we need profit so i've been hunting down people who can help us with profit how we think about profit as uh, entrepreneurs and I have just literally a great guest. Uh, it's very appropriate to us in this field. Uh, his name is Stephen Dar, and he is the author of Profit Hacking. And you could, I just want you to now pause the podcast, go to profithacking.com, go and check out, come back and listen. Uh, it's uh, a wonderful read, uh, well worth getting. And I'm just so pleased that the author could join us. So, Stephen, welcome to the App Guy podcast. Thank you for having me, Paul. I'm really excited to be here and to hopefully share some great value with you guys. Well, I have to say, to start off with, I mean, you've got ProfitHacking.com. That's an excellent name, domain name. How did you manage to secure that? So when I was coming up with titles for the book, uh, part of the process was looking to see, is this domain available or is something close available? And for whatever reason, when I was narrowing down my titles, Profit hacking really just stuck out as the one that I wanted to go with. And profithacking.com was not available. But I went to the site and I was able to kind of look at the who is data and it wasn't protected. So there's an email address and I just kind of said, hey, I've got nothing to lose. Shot an email to the guy and we talked a little bit back and forth. We ended up negotiating. I, I paid him a little bit of cash and I also gave him a couple hours of consulting to help him. He had a, a SaaS product and I kind of helped him figure out how he can convert more of his visitors, uh, earn more money, basically just increase his profits, hack his profits. And by helping him do that, he he was willing to let go of his domain because he wasn't actively using it. Uh, what a great story. And almost like immediately, the thing I'm learning from you is sometimes we don't have to just uh, swap cash for a thing that we want. We have a wonderful skill set, which is what we know in our experience. And sometimes free consultancy is something to throw in in terms of making a deal yeah definitely i mean that's there's always more than one way to skin a cat so the and what you find is there everyone out there like no matter who they are how successful they are i i've learned from a friend of mine his name is michael roderick he taught me this framework it's uh, time connections and money he calls it the tcm index and so no matter where they are in, in their life or business like there's something that they need and it's not overly difficult to figure out where are they lacking or where could they use a little bit more support and whether it's you or like one of your friends or someone that you know or some way that you can kind of work it out there's um, you know if, if you're open to possibilities and kind of talking it out you can usually find a way that that works for both sides and it doesn't always have to be just uh, an exchange of, of cash well, Stephen, I have to say that uh, you just mentioned three things that there we could start helping uh, the appster tribe listening to this by perhaps exploring uh, the time, the connections, the money that you just mentioned. Obviously, we want you know I'd like people to go out and just read the book. I think it's, it's highly worth it. But perhaps in on this show, you could 
just give us a, an essence of this thing you just talked about, which is um, you know something that's incredibly important to us. I mean, every app developer they have we have time, uh, especially sometimes we don't have any if we're working uh, or from um, you know like in a corporate job we have to do the, uh, the app development uh, in a side project. Uh, we have connections. Uh, sometimes we have money. Sometimes you don't have the funding. Perhaps you can go through profit hacking and you know talk about those points. Sure. So the one thing that just kind of jumps straight out to me is that with with the level of tools and, and data and all these things available on the internet, that you can really get creative. I know people that there's a website called TaskRabbit, and people come and they'll clean their house or like they'll do their cooking or like cook a whole week's worth of meals for them and or do their their filing and their their books and their um, like their QuickBooks for them because the the reframe on that is you're not paying someone else for their time you're buying your own time back and then that's how you can uh, you know create more of it for yourself to to put on your side project or to squeeze an extra hour a day into the your, you know, your, your baby project or into something for a client, whatever it is that you're doing. And so I, I really just kind of, in no matter what you're doing, I really encourage people to, to not be limited by what they currently know and just go out and explore and like ask questions that will lead to answers to creative solutions that like they haven't gotten before. And I, I feel like especially app developers are so great at figuring it out like within the code, but you can take those same skills and to like have creative problem solving and apply it to so many areas of your life. Yeah, almost the, uh, one. I love that. Uh, in fact, um, I, I sometimes produce a quote for the show, and I'm immediately you know drawn to this quote by you know you're not paying someone really for their time; you're buying your own time back. I love that, and I think that one of the big challenges we have in this community is that we often try and solve problems ourselves. We have Google, which is a, a endless resource, of, and we have all these forums and and all this knowledge uh, out there but of course it can take us sometimes days to get to a, a solution which would have taken 10 minutes if we'd asked the right person so uh, do you have any comments on that in terms of you know time uh, that we could be hacking and saving sure so one thing that i i really stress in the book is the concept of leverage and so in terms of your time you know, everyone has the same 24 hours in the day. And then it's just a question of how you use it, where you, and if you can look and if you have the discipline, even just for a week to really track your time well and see exactly how you're spending it, it'll become abundantly clear to you where you're getting like the, the 80% of your results, like the 80-20 rule is probably in effect that, you are using too much of your time on, on certain things that are only producing small amounts of, of value, whether it's entertainment value or actual value for your business, your clients, progress towards your, your goals. And it's also what I talk about in the book in terms of how to increase your profit. So what I talk about is that there's really only three things that you can do to increase your profits online. You can get more traffic. And so for an app, that could be more downloads 
uh, more people coming to your your splash page or landing page of a website that gets them to download the app. More conversions, so people who and with apps, there's a whole bunch of, of conversions, and lots of them are like quote unquote micro conversions. The big one first is getting them to download the app or purchase the app, and then getting them to return and use it. And to you know, if you have ability for them to buy more stuff inside, just getting more people to continually to take action. And then the third is what's called economics. So how much do you earn per user? So how much are you earning? Per person that downloads your app or purchases your app, purchases your app, and a lot of times what what people ignore, or at least don't put as much effort into that that they could, that the the majority of profit exists is in the back end. So maybe you have an app that people pay to download, but then there's a whole bunch of opportunities to be able to provide more solutions to that, whether it's information or a service or a product or more apps to be able to really understand your customer, how else you can serve them, and then deliver that to them continuously. Because it's much easier to sell to someone that has bought from you once than it is to get someone to take a chance on you and make that first purchase. So once you get that customer, you really want to keep them and you really want to maximize the value that you give them. And, and that equates to the amount of value they give you back in exchange, normally in the form of money. Well, I love this conversation because, I mean, first of all, we have tools. I use tools like something like Time Rescue that gives me uh, analysis every week uh, on where I'm spending my time online uh, on my Mac. Uh, we've had guests on the show in the past episodes talking about apps that really help us uh, with, uh, because of the, the phone now knows where we are. It can locate us and it can determine whether we're spending too much time uh, you know, at work or at home and help us with our lifestyle, um, so, you know, such as the app Kronos. So we have all these wonderful tools, but are we actually using them? And I love the focus on leverage and uh, the focus on, uh, and you know, Stephen, in a way, I have to say that um, the, the big theme on the, these podcasts is that sometimes we get sidetracked with uh, things that aren't so important. We get so, like obsessed with number of downloads. And yet, as you were saying, you know, like for example, I get uh, one app that's got hundreds of thousands of downloads, uh, and yet uh, those, um, you know, those clients, those customers are uh, zero profit for me. So I don't really, sh- I shouldn't be focusing on that. I should be focusing on the, the apps and the the, the business uh, that uh, really helps me with my profit. Have you got any examples? Have you worked with app developers or app startup founders, or you know, like in terms of helping them just, you know, focus on? Uh, where, where to, to spend their 20% of their most productive time? So the answer to that question is uh, the answer that probably you could answer almost any question in the world with this answer, and it's, it's de- it depends, right? And so it depends on your the current state of your app. And one thing that I encourage people to do in, in the book Profit Hacking is to return to the section of the book or to download this uh, free action guide that I give them that says every three months, so once a quarter, come back and reevaluate your business, where you are like right now in terms of what is the, the bottleneck or what is the thing that is kind of stopping you from being as profitable as you possibly could be. So in your case, the, in the example that you just said, um, it's probably the, the economic side of the equation. You get a lot of traffic. You get a lot of people to download it. That's a very impressive download number. 
but it's not translating the profit. So you don't need to focus on promotion. You don't need to focus on how can I get more people here? You need to start asking yourself and asking your customers, okay, now that I have this app on hundreds of thousands of devices, what is the next logical step that will get them to upgrade to a paid version or will buy something within the app or maybe a related thing that, that they want that they'd be willing to pay for. And so maybe three months from now after you've said, okay, I need to devote the majority of my time to the economic side of my equation. Now you're, you're starting to sell more in the point where it's, it's quite profitable. And so you say, okay, now I'm, I'm good on this. And now I need to put a little bit more time into promoting it again because maybe a lot of those 100,000 downloads have gone cold. And so now that you've got a machine that works, you need to get more people back into the front end of your machine. So it's just about being really pragmatic and realist about where you are right now and what you can do today and over the next couple months that's really going to push the, the needle as much as possible. Because if you don't have that focus, it's easy to just kind of stay in the inertia of what you've been doing. And if you keep on working on you know, two sides of the equation, but like the third one is the one that's truly the most broken, then you're, you're really pulling back the two things that you're doing well because you need all three to, to truly make it translate into profit. Yeah, I, in a way, uh, I actually probably need to do a joint venture on this app. Uh, if so, uh, just an appeal to the apps to try listening. If anyone has any ideas for a very popular app, uh, we can monetize that together. Then uh, get in touch with me. <laughs> so uh, this is a really good episode. I feel like it's, it's a good complement to a, an earlier episode we had with a guy called Mike Michalowicz, who uh, wrote this book called Profit First. And uh, it just reminds us that, uh, you know, we do have to think about profit. I want to pick up on one of the things you mentioned before, connections. And connections to me are very important. It's why I do the podcast. It's helped me get extremely well connected in amongst all the startup communities around the world, Silicon Valley, New York, London. And how important is it to profit for having really good connections? And and perhaps have you got any comments, you know, on connections? Yeah, so I, I think two quotes that really sum it up well. One is that your network is your net worth. And then the other is, this is a, a quote from my friend Jason Gaynard, who runs a, uh, a conference, an event called Mastermind Talks. And he said that you know, when even when everything else, like if you have one, one business and it, it falls apart, it crumbles, something happens, no matter what it is that, that caused it to go down, even when you're down and out, you'll still have your friends, the connections that you've made. And you want to invest in growing your network before you need it. And so in 2014, I I made it a, a goal, a point of mine to, to go out and really expand my, my network professionally. I went to a lot of conferences. I reached out. I offered multiple hours of free consulting to uh to groups of people that I, I knew um, were, were fairly well-connected groups and just tried to, to give and serve and see like how I could help people. And, and then at the end, ask them, you know, is there anyone else that you know that, uh, that you think I should meet or that would be a good connection for me? And um, yeah, you know, no one, no one can do everything by themselves. Uh, I, well, some people maybe can, but they're the exception rather than the rule. And that it, I just find that even even if you made it, even if you were wildly successful on your own, 
it's often much, much sweeter if you have people to, to celebrate with and to commiserate with when things aren't going well and to support one another. And, and I, I found that some of the, the best people I've ever met, some of the, just the truest, most like, uh, kindest heart centered people are, are entrepreneurs. And, and so, uh, it's been wonderful for multiple reasons for me to, to go out and get outside of my little bubble. Cause I tried to do it as a solopreneur by myself for a couple years. And, um, it, it led to, uh, certainly a, a less satisfying life, a less successful life. So there, there's more than one reason for, um, growing your community and your tribe and growing that network. I couldn't agree with you more, Stephen. And again, it's uh, I refer to the listeners as the Appster Tribe, and uh, I I've had a number of episodes where we reiterate the importance of having an audience. Uh, I want to pick up on that point that you mentioned about being a solopreneur, uh, because there are a lot of the listeners now who are listening to this who are actually doing like me everything on your own, and it can be quite. A lonely road sometimes you know just having not a huge amount of support from a business and what sort of thoughts and insights could you give the audience to uh, life as a solopreneur so it it was hard for me to transition from solopreneur to you know non-solopreneur or whatever the the right term would be yeah, what and, is that working for so you've <laughs> actually well you're working for someone now are you in a, a company um, so I, I'm the founder and CEO of Conversion for Good, and so we are a conversion optimization agency, mostly working with nonprofits and mission-purpose-driven companies, so companies that have a, like a charitable component, like Tom's, for example, like with the buy one, give one model. Tom's is not a client, but it's just a classic example of a company that is out to, to do good and um to achieve a purpose in addition to earning profit. And so, so the transition for me from solopreneur to blank, <laughs> I was, it was difficult because for me, like I, I didn't want to give up control. I felt like no one cared about my business as much as I did. I felt that I, I trusted myself more to, even if it meant I had to go take a lot of time to learn how to do something, then then I wanted to be the one that was doing it. Even if it, you know, like I said, it took a lot of time to learn it. And then it was just one more thing that I had to do each day or each week or each month. Um, and it, it led to, to significant levels of, of burnout. And so it started with me with just hiring some virtual assistants. What I did is I took out a piece of paper and I drew a big T on it. And on the top left of the T above the division, I wrote tasks. And then on the top right, I wrote dollar per hour value. And for about a week, I every time I did a business-related task, I wrote it down underneath the on the left side, and then I gave it a corresponding dollar amount that I just kind of, not necessarily arbitrarily, but as eyeballed and, and guessed about how much it was worth. And then I gave myself a dollar per hour value. So if I said I value my time, my working hours at $100 an hour, Every task that is under that amount, it is now my goal to delegate it, outsource it, give it to either starting out with a virtual assistant, but eventually, you know, potentially employees, uh, or turning it into like a, an automated system or simplifying it or whatever it is, so that I could stay above 
the $100 an hour value. So those were like the tasks that I'd focus on. And that was step one for me, just getting clear on how I was spending my time and which tasks actually produced great amounts of uh, leverage, of revenue, uh, were the best and highest use of my time and anything else, be trying to be ruthless with um, getting it off of my plate. What a great example. So there you go. There's a bit of homework there for anyone listening. Get a piece of paper, write a big T, and do exactly that that same project uh, that Stephen's uh, talking about. Uh, so there are two things we need to do uh, before we say goodbye to you, Stephen. One is that uh, this is a show where we try and flesh out new and interesting ideas. And uh, there's two ways we can do it. We can either ask you outright if you've had an interesting app idea that you've perhaps thought about uh, and can share with us. Uh, or we can try and figure out some of the pain points uh, you've experienced in your business uh, over the last month or so and then work out a potential solution that could be app related. So I don't know which one you want to do. Uh, do you have an idea or should we sort of try and figure it out through uh, potential pain points that you're experiencing right now? Well, I think I've got a quick one for, for number one, and, and then depending on how long we, we discuss, we could move into number two. So number one, and this is something that um, came up in a discussion earlier today, actually, was, and it may exist for all I know, is a, a service that would be similar to Airbnb, except for like home-cooked meals, so people who are talented chefs or cooks but not like professional they maybe just like cooking for people and someone wants to host a dinner party or someone's in a new city and they maybe just want to get to know someone or like go with a couple people and get a meal made but they don't want to go to a restaurant so it could kind of be like airbnb where the the price point that's generally lower than hotels and you get um you know like a little bit of a flavor of of people in, in that city and then the same thing would be Maybe the price point would be lower than some of the nicer restaurants, but you could get a home cooked meal. You can meet some new people and potentially organize like interesting dinner parties. So that's the idea. I, I first of all love this idea. I think uh, it's almost like Airbnb or Uber, for example, where you press a button and you get a home cooked delivery. And I, I know that this is a massive pain point for me because I'm currently on uh, like a health drive. And uh, I have a certain diet that I need to uh, stick to. And it's really hard uh, to find takeaways, restaurants when you're out on the road to, to, to uh, eat. You know, you can't find it. So uh, just to pull up my app uh, and uh, press a button and a home cooked meal comes to me, you know, within whatever space of time, that would be awesome. Totally. So everyone listening out there, that's what we want. You've got two potential users immediately that would give you feedback on that and then also i was thinking uh, i uh, have a school run to do uh, with my kids and often there's uh, little kind of community events where you have to bring cooked food to uh, you know and as a busy entrepreneur we just do not uh, have time to do all these things but to ha almost cheat by taking to you know one of these events these community events the prepared meal that's been ubered or airbnb to you <laughs> That would be great. So, Stephen, thanks for the idea. And um, the final thing we're going to do on the show is this is the App Guy podcast. And I wanted to ask you, 
uh, one or two apps that you perhaps use in your day-to-day business or personal life that you could recommend or uncover for us that we could potentially use. Uh, so that's uh, uh, an app that you could recommend. So I've got a Android telephone, so it's called Pomodoro, but there are multiple apps for Android as well as, as iOS or whatever other device that are, are similar. And so basically the Pomodoro method is a time management technique where you set the timer. Generally, Pomodoros are 25 minutes to 50 minutes long, and you eliminate every distraction. Like you don't allow, you don't take a phone call, you don't look at email, you don't look at Facebook, you don't do anything except for the task that you say that you're going to do. You do it until the timer's done. And when the timer's done, it doesn't matter where you are. You, you finish up maybe that sentence or that line of code or, you know, that idea. And then you take a break for five minutes to 10 minutes, and then you move on to the next Pomodoro. And so it's really great if you have really big projects that take a long time because it's really demotivating and it's hard for people to mentally wrap their head around oh my god i have to like do this thing and, and i've done it myself with the big things where you just end up avoiding it and avoiding it and instead of saying oh i need to do this giant massive thing you say okay i'm gonna sit down and do it for 30 minutes and i'm gonna give it my all for 30 minutes because then at the end you're going to be that much closer to to completing it but it's, it's easier to say, okay, like there's a defined end to how long this project is going to take me for now or for today. So that's been uh, a useful app for me in terms of um, being a little bit more productive with my time. It's almost like giving me another idea and I can't help it. But yeah, I mean, I, this is a show about ideas and the Apple Watch is imminently coming out. As, uh, we don't know when, possibly March, April. And it enables you to uh, like uh, communicate through sensitivity. I think there'll be a, a like a little um, vibration on the watch that you can feel. And I almost feel like a, a Pomodoro uh, app on the watch where it closes down all your other uh, smartphones, your apps maybe uh, on, your, on your watch. And it just gives you either time intervals or 25 minutes or even better every five minutes. And it gets stronger the closer you get to 25 minutes. That would be really good. Yeah, totally. You could do that. <laughs> <laughs> or someone. <laughs> yeah, I've, I feel like, you know, there's going to be a whole wave of um, potential new ways of, uh, you know, doing stuff with the watch, uh, communicating through a vibration on your wrist. And so uh, Pomodoro, uh, that, that definitely is um, something that could be used. Well, Stephen, we've come towards the end of the show and... Uh, it's been fascinating going through. Uh, do you feel like we've covered everything you wanted to get across in the uh, show? Did, is there anything else you, you feel like uh, we've completely missed out? Mm. No, I mean, I'd say that we covered it. I would I would just encourage everyone one more time to not, not really be focused on any vanity metric and, and kind of think about, all right, where am I in terms of generating profit and revenue in my business and where's the bottleneck and focusing there. Um, and just as, as we talked about in several ways, you know, the, the, the real true ask that you have is, is your time. So being as, as efficient and intelligent with that as possible. Um, yeah, no, I, I really think that we did a good job of covering the important stuff. Yeah. I have to say the vanity metrics is a, a, just worth pounding home time and time again. I had an entrepreneur on the show where 
they had 5,000 downloads for their app and that they managed to raise tens of thousands of dollars uh, from angel investors and VCs uh, because of the idea. And yet, you know, the app we talked about earlier, the hundreds of thousands, uh, you know, completely kind of useless. And, you know, so, but of course, it just feels good to throw out these vanity numbers. So we need to overcome the vanity metrics and, uh, and focus on profit hacking. So with that said, how do we best connect with you, Stephen, and reach out and, uh, you know, what's the best way? Yeah, so great ways. Um, I'd say Twitter and Facebook are the two social networks that I, I generally use. I'm at Steve Dar at Twitter. And honestly, if you just Google my name, uh, I'm, I think I'm the only Steve Dar out there. So I dominate page one. Um, and if you want to get in touch with me personally, you feel free to email me, steve at conversionforgood.com. Great. And if you don't happen to have a pen whilst you're driving and listening to this, then you can always go to theappguy.co and search for episode 220 with uh, Steve Dar. And it's obviously beneficial to have a unique name. And uh, I almost feel like I need to change my name um, (laughs) because then you get all these URLs and uh, you get, um, you know, your Twitter handle as well. So uh, the benefits of being unique. You can be like, um, I don't actually know his real last name, but he was uh, jasonheadset.com, and now he's Jason Surfer app. Uh, he sold his last name for, um, like, you know, he like advertising purposes, basically. But he's uh, he's interesting, and you could be you could be Paul Surfer app. <laughs> yeah, uh, you're almost giving me app store optimization ideas here. With um, <laughs> you could change your surname so that you know you're the publisher an author and it comes up in a, a, the search algorithm um, because it's searching for your name, uh, Flappy Bird, Paul Flappy Bird. <laughs> so, okay. Well, this is great, Stephen. Thanks for joining us on the App Guide podcast. All the best with uh, everything you've got going on. And thanks for sharing your wisdom uh, with us t- uh, today. Thanks for having me.